Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ultimed podcast. Got Mitch Kurtz in the house in a very blurry house. Um, very blurry. <laughs> we have a very special guest. We have Aidan Havas, CEO of My Dispensary and The Entourage Effect. Aidan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. So glad uh, to be here. Great to have you on. Um, I'm particularly interested, lawyer to lawyer, uh, in trying to work out how people get into this space from the legal profession. But, uh, but yeah, maybe um, if you could talk us through your background um, and, and these two ventures that you're now um, fairly involved with. So I am a criminal lawyer by trade. I um, uh, practice law. I could um, tell by the vest, by the way. It's a very uh, <laughs> criminal attorney look. <laughs> so so, that, that, so that's, my, that's my thing. I wear a three-piece suit to court. Nice. Um, and um, through my work um, in crime, I, was, um, I developed some mental health issues, um, as many lawyers do, unfortunately. And Amen. I was treated um, with medicinal cannabis. And it was, for me, life-changing. So my wife and I um, embarked on this journey um, to share the what we call the plant of wellness um, with society. And, and we started off my dispensary, which was an online telehealth clinic. Um, and we found that it was just really, really difficult and expensive to access. So we then um, started another company called The Entourage Effect, which is um, obtained its wholesale license for Schedule 4 and Schedule 8, and we distribute um, for a number of um, suppliers. And it's an online marketplace where pharmacies and GPs um, can order their products and um, get the same day delivery. That's very cool. And I think I know uh you know, these things step by step, but in terms of where it's at at the moment, we've talked about on this podcast previously that New South Wales doesn't appear to have as booming a, an industry, at least that's my take as Queensland, WA, Victoria. Um, I, I, I know um, there are some, you know, some established companies in, in New South Wales, but is the goal with with these two ventures that you're involved with to really grow um, the business of, of medical cannabis throughout New South Wales and then and then beyond to the rest of the country? So I think you're, you've hit the, hail, the, the nail on the, on the head. Um, New South Wales, we believe, have been forgotten about. Mm. Um, you have um, Astra Dispensary in, in Melbourne who are doing absolutely phenomenal. Um, you have um, the guys at CDA who are doing a great job over there. Um, and Shortly, we're opening up um, the first ever um, cannabis-specific clinic and dispensary in New South Wales in Bondi Junction. Um, that should be open next month. Um, we hope to have two other locations opened up shortly thereafter in Wollongong and Newcastle. Um, those locations will be clinics and pharmacies, and then a number of other pharmacies throughout New South Wales and those pharmacies just focus on dispensing only cannabis-specific products. Um, we believe that um, 
trying to get people off um, pharmaceutical drugs and, and onto plant-based products. We believe that they should be going to a place that specializes in plant-based products. It's against the ethos to send somebody to a place where they're prescribing the very drugs that you're trying to get them off. Mm. Uh, and, and so we're hoping um, by opening up these locations, um, more people um, will give um, this, what we call the plant of wellness a chance. I'm sure our Sydney listeners will be delighted at this news. And actually, I, I'm a little bit uh, feeling disappointed that, um, you know, that the timing, I was living in Bondi Junction for nearly a year, um, a few years ago, and would have loved to have this uh, little dispensary set up. Are there any plans to go sort of out um, into the Western, greater Western parts of Sydney as well? Or is uh, Eastern suburbs your, your sort of main focus for, for kicking it off? Well, we're really, really focused on the New South Wales market. Mm. Um, I think that um, CDA has done a great job in Queensland. I think um, come, uh, clinics like Astrid and, and pharmacies like Astrid and, and clinics like Hey, they're doing a phenomenal job in Melbourne. Um, and, and we're really, really focused on the New South Wales market. Um, and, and, and that's really, really what we want to promote because like you said, Andrew, they forgot about us. They forgot about South Australia and Tassie too. I, <laughs> I've speculated about yeah. previously. Um, I mean, there's there's activity going on in every state, so I don't want anyone from those states to think that we're we're taking pot shots. But I just I feel that pardon the pun. Um, but I just feel that uh, yeah, the Victoria, um, Queensland, and, and WA really are sort of you know going full vapor head. Um, just, just, just getting, getting a little technical straight off the bat here. <laughs> I've got yeah, a curious yeah. one. Now, when you say obviously the focusing on plant medicines and getting off the stuff that we don't want, uh, that might not be helping people, let's say the way that, that it's intended. Um, is it not the case that a pharmacy must like kind of by law offer, you know, any medication you can't have just a, a pure dispensary let's say you still need to have like i don't know panadol or whatever some some baseline medication jelly jelly no it's it's, it's a non-pbs pharmacy okay. so um we we won't have anything like that um the only thing that we will have is is packaged um pre-packaged um cannabis products from um, the suppliers that already exist in, in, in an exact same fashion as Astrid Dispensary. Well, will there right. be gummy bears though? Is <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have I have told a number a number of suppliers that um, the, the great part about what I do is I I'm in I call I'm in the trenches. I deal with the patients. I, I get the feedback, and and there are a lot of people that would prefer to take it in a gummy form. And they are asking me, when are we coming out with a high CBD gummy or a high THC gummy? I would prefer that. So I'm, I'm pushing my suppliers as much as I can to um, meet the requirements. So hopefully sooner rather than later. I love that answer. Um, 
where, where do you where do you think the New South Wales market is at at the moment? What are what are people gravitating towards up there? Is it you know are people loving their CBD oils? Are they more in the THC flower? Like what, where do you see the, the the trend kind of at the moment? So what we're finding in New South Wales is everybody's loving their flower. Um, the New South Wales market is really really focused on um, consumption of flour. Um, what we have found, though, are the vape cartridges um, are really, really a hit. Um, so I don't know if you guys are aware, Canatrek came out um, with um, M-Carts, which are a portable cartridge that individuals um, can use to inhale cannabis. Mm. Um, cannabis and um, I think that's the future of cannabis in New South Wales. Um, between flour and, and, and those M carts, that's the future of cannabis. People, especially older generations, they don't want to have to, you know, grind, use a grinder, chop their marijuana up uh, to put in the Mighty Medic, if, or even pay $520 for a Mighty Medic or $420, whatever it costs, if they can do it um, a lot easier through the, the carts. So we've been finding um, the carts have been going off the shelf and people are really, really gravitating towards that. So like I tell my suppliers, I think the future of cannabis is also um, those carts in a, in, in a CBD formula and um, a high THC. Interesting. I mean, we, we try not to talk too much about specific products on the show. Yes. Just it. But, no, um, but, but, but they're the only ones that I'm aware of that have this product on the market. So that's, sure. Sure, that's sure, where sure. I think it's going to go. I, I agree with you. I think that um, the, the, the vape market is definitely the future. I, I, I'm looking forward to the day where we have strain specific vapes, actually, because I think that, you know, for, for a number of reasons, I think it's um, they hold, you know, their shelf life or, uh, stability for a lot longer they're you know the more convenient they're smaller more compact they don't smell in the same way if, you know and obviously there are patients that love the let's say the romance of the the flower scene and that'll never go away um but there is something about the, the that kind of you know what's it what's it called um i've forgotten the string the, the five three three five three there you five, go yeah. five ten thread Five ten thread. I've, I've just gone blank on it. Yeah, um, that um, is very appealing to a lot of people, and it's just the that that kind of convenience. Yeah, I suppose it's also from the, you know, it, it because it's a you know a, to get access to medical cannabis in Australia, you need the doctor's prescription. What does the doctor think is best? I mean, how effectively can you dose um, from one of those devices? I, I imagine that is something doctors will be interested, you know, to learn about um but uh, but no I, I i tend to agree i mean anything that's that's more convenient i, I do wonder yeah the some people report um you know not minding taking oil under the tongue sublingually but others don't like it so i i, I do think it's just an, an added solution um you know in the in the doctor's toolkit for what they might choose to to prescribe for someone I also think uh, the doctors need to be guided a lot by the patient as well. Um, mm. Some people, um, like for me, for example, I, I started on the oils. They were awesome. I, I eventually uh, moved on to the flour. Um, that was good. 
Um, but me personally, I would prefer unprescribed the carts. Um, and I found that uh, convenient, easy, um, cheap as well. Um, the carts are only $90. I don't have to pay $420 for a, a, a medical device to consume the flour. And, mm. and I think that what that will do is it'll make it more readily available um, to people who don't have, you know, money for the $420 vaporizer plus the cost of the product plus the cost of the uh, doctor's appointment. Yeah, it's, but it's an interesting one where when you think about it, I mean, historically, how many times do doctors have a patient come into their clinic and tell them, you know, this is what I'm interested in. This is how I would like to have it. And, you know, I mean, at least to the best of my knowledge, no one that I know has ever requested, um, you know, antibiotics that they can vape or, or something like this. <laughs> it's possible. I feel like that brand um, for a Thursday night of, uh, <laughs> yeah. what is it? Sevalexin or? But you, but you can see, I mean, uh, you know, there is a growing uh, number in the, in the health of healthcare professionals that are really um, embracing, um, you know, cannabis as a medicine. But yeah, I can see how, you know, some of the more conservative, you know, old school doctors, they're, they're not used to this, this type of thing. But I totally agree with you, Adan, that there does need to be more consideration towards what, what the patient needs. And if, if the patient describes, for example, certain lifestyle aspects or, you know, things that are relevant to them, I think that's really valuable information for doctors to elicit during a, during a consult. I, um, I want to steer this just in a different direction because we haven't yet on the podcast to date had the opportunity, I think, to, to talk to a, um, a criminal lawyer. But I'm just curious, um, you know, some of our listeners may have had interactions with the, the criminal justice system, possibly, um, you know, we've got to remember that medical cannabis has only been legal in Australia for, you know, the, the best part of five years. So I'm just curious, what, what can you share with us about your observations of, of, you know, defending people charged with cannabis related crimes? I know that's a, a very open-ended question. So, you know, take it and answer it however you like, but uh, it's, it's something that we read about. I'd love to get your, um, your insights into that. So I, I, I represent, there's two facets. There's the typical patient who um, is prescribed cannabis and, and runs the gauntlet every day by driving um, yeah. with the THC in their system. Um, I have a patient, um, a client, who um, has, couldn't afford medicinal cannabis for his ongoing medical care. So he began growing it and um, was arrested cultivating um, a small amount of plants. So this is, it, it, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, I think that we will see legislative change in New South Wales. Um, yeah. There is currently um, introduced through parliament the medicinal cannabis exemption um, which would be an exemption, a defense under sec to Section 111 of the Road Transport Act in New South Wales, which should, in essence, allow somebody, um, so long as they were prescribed and taken under medical, in accordance with the medical um, prescription, 
um, a defense to um, Section 111 of the Road Transport Act, which is the inability to drive. Mm. Um, I think that we really, really need to figure out a way where unless you can prove they're impaired behind the wheel, that people aren't getting um, arrested for, for just taking their medicine. It's the only medicine you can take in yeah. Australia or you can't drive. Yeah. Um, and, mm. and, and I, um, there's a lot of work I do pro bono for people in this situation. Um, I've, I've appeared for many people who have lost their jobs mm. because, um, because they're prescribed medicinal cannabis. Um, and an employer has a right um, if they choose to, to terminate you for any reason. Um, you can, there are a lot of nurses that lost their jobs because they didn't get vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so the employer always has the right, as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, but um, I think that as, as, especially in New South Wales, we open more and more um, locations. I'm hoping it'll be more accepted. And, and what I've been trying to do is um, invest a lot of our money into infrastructure. So uh, I donated some money to, we donated some money to community legal centers in New South Wales. Um, and um, that was accepted. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to show that by creating this income stream for the government, um, we can invest this money into infrastructure, roads, hospitals, schools um and and we can use the supply of medicinal the sale of medicinal cannabis uh just to make our society a lot better what i'm just curious like this is more of a i guess a <laughs> firing away with technical questions here but i know that in tasmania it's the only state that has this um you know i guess exemption to being charged if, if you have if, if you're on a prescription for medical cannabis, you are allowed to drive to the extent that you're not impaired. Um, they yeah. don't have any sort of um, comparable, you know, anything comparable to a blood alcohol reading with, with THC or anything like this. So it's really just, are you impaired or not? It feels subjective. But I'm just curious, if you had a client that said, hey, Dan, um, I've been charged by police. Uh, was it section 111? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, they got me, I'm on the, the police officer's body cam and I'll admit it, I was firing up the mighty medic at a red light and, <laughs> you know, the, the motorcycle cop <laughs> pulled up to my window. I had a big vape, um, you know. It's a very detailed uh, story. Well, I'm just like curious. <laughs> is, we, we talk about, I just, I'm curious about this idea of like, is, are you allowed to be medicating whilst driving or do you know if the discussions around this policy area have extended to that? No, look, I, I can tell you right now, you should not be medicating while driving. Okay. That, the, the answer to that is absolutely not. You mm -hmm. know, um, if, if a police officer, you should not be doing anything impaired. And the reality is um, there, there, there's an argument that you, you could be impaired when you're driving. I mean, this is, and, and, and I understand it's gonna be very, very difficult for police to prove that somebody's impaired. I get it. Um, but we cannot be advocating for people to be um, 
taking their medication whilst driving. That's just a bit much. If they've, if they've crashed their car in a drive through at McDonald's, it's probably an open shot case for the cops. But, uh, <laughs> Can yeah. I say that I've been in practice for 12 years. I've, I do a lot of dangerous driving causing death, mm. a lot. I have never in my entire career represented anyone who has killed someone under the influence of cannabis. Mm. Mm. Very, and very. any of my colleagues. Uh, and Alco- I was alcohol, ask- by contrast? <laughs> alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, mm. never under the influence of cannabis. That was going to be my next question. So obviously we see a lot of different crimes committed that are associated with various drugs. Anything that comes through your desk with, with cannabis, it's always what, just possession or, or I, don't, I don't know, or growing a plant at home? Is that pretty much it? That's pretty much it. I, a, wise, a wise judge once said, I've never seen anyone commit a violent offense on cannabis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I guess we're we're you know when we're talking to you, you've seen it all um, in terms of what what's out there in in the wider community, um, and the, the risk the risk profile of cannabis. Uh, I would say everyone says it's low, but you're actually on on the kind of coalface. Have, have you got any? Um, I'm just just curious. You know, being proximate to ACT, we know there's a effectively a law there that permits people to home grow. Um, do you do you have any uh, reports from from that jurisdiction around how that's going? I imagine that has um, you know enormously uh, decreased the burden that these kinds of petty possession charges and, and crimes were were putting on on the courts in in the ACT. Do you have any visibility on that? No, no, I don't practice much in the ACT, but I'm glad you actually brought that up because it, it goes back to what Mitch said before. Um, what a waste of our time and yeah. taxpayer dollars mm. to be prosecuting people that Mitch has just described. I mean, with domestic violence, the way it's going in the community, shootings every day in respect of ganglands here in New South Wales. I mean, to be, a, to be prosecuting people for the possession of something that's legalized now for medicinal purposes, to be prosecuting people potentially who are taking their medication. No, I've been in practice for 12 years in New South Wales. No magistrate wants to take a person's license away who was taking their medication and was following doctor's orders. Nobody wants to do that. Is it comparable, say, you know, for somebody found with possession of Xanax that doesn't have a script, let's say? Is it the same... I mean, we, we, we pretty much, I mean, you, you, you're looking at, you're looking at a, a, a kind of, there's a kind of caution scheme. So really you can be cautioned um, if you're carrying under 14 or 15 grams of cannabis. Um, so is that, but, is that cautioned for not carrying more than that? Like you're in trouble because you weren't carrying enough cannabis. <laughs> so as a matter of technicality, it's, in New South in New South Wales, if you get caught with with, with under a certain amount, the, the the officer has the option of cautioning you and not issuing you a court attendance notice. Okay. Right. So, but the reality is, a lot of officers issue court attendance notices for amounts where they could give warnings. And, mm. and, and, and why do are they that? doing that? Do you think is it is it uh, stigma? Is it 
um, you know, are they like, why, why is that culture so pervasive? Maybe, maybe we, we live in a culture and society where the more convictions you get as a police officer, the quicker you, you climb the ranks. Mm. So, and, and that's probably what it is. Perverse incentives. Yeah. I think, um, it'd be really interesting and high value to a lot of our listeners. If you were actually able to walk us through a little bit of the, the repercussions at the different levels for possession or driving or what actually, cause this is, this is something that's very interesting. And I know it comes on a state by state basis, but at least in New South Wales, if somebody was coming into, you know, um, my dispensary or, or coming to see one of your networks for, for advice or for a doctor in your network, um, and they didn't adhere to it or they didn't get a medical script through, you know, yourself or, or others. Um, what are people actually looking at in terms of legal yeah, repercussions? And, and by the way, Mitch, is this you just in a sort of roundabout way seeking legal advice from Adon? I just don't know. When I travel up there with the kilo <laughs> backpack. Yeah. yeah. So Mitch, in, in the event that you get caught in New South Wales, this is. The, <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> so look, the, the reality is in New South Wales, you, if you get a conviction, you, uh, the magistrate is required under the legislation to suspend your license for a minimum of three months for your first offense. So the only way you escape a license suspension is if the magistrate uses his or her discretion um, and gives you a no conviction. And that no conviction could be subject could make you subject to a good behavior bond. So usually they say you'd be a good behavior for 12 months. You don't commit any further offenses. Um, call, come back before the court if called to do so. No conviction, no suspension. Um, in New South Wales, it's a fine only offense. So the most you can get is a fine, but people don't care about the fine. What they care about is the conviction and the disqualification. Mm. Convictions have serious legal and social consequences. Imagine having to apply for a visa to go to the United States and having to disclose that on your application. Mm. Just a headache you don't want. Mm. Have you ever been convicted? Yes. Having to explain that. Um, so um, it has serious consequences. Your second offense carries a minimum disqualification of six months. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that, and, and for a lot of people, you lose your license, you lose your job. Mm. You lose your job, you lose your ability to derive an income. Serious consequences. So that's that's for driving. Out of curiosity, possession or even cultivation. So I know there's you know this this kind of um, let's say I don't want to even say gray area. It's very black area of of people that are feel that it's they're growing hemp in rural NSW, let's say, and then cultivating that to make CBD oil, um, which I, I, in principle, don't have an issue with myself, but I understand that it's it's not the way uh, we do it in Australia at the moment and yet everyone has to play by the rules. What, um, what are the legal ramifications for, you know, let's say growing a plant at home, growing 10 plants at home, having a full commercial cultivation that's completely <laughs> unlicensed? Well, <laughs> um, well so, so the way it works in New South Wales, is um, it's classed into quantity. So I think from memory off the top of my head, a, a commercial quantity 
cultivation of a commercial quantity is 51 plants. Right. Right. So um, I always did think 50 plants is more of a personal use. Kind of. <laughs> well, do you really need 50 plants for personal use? Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not a, I'm not a grower, but it's just, to me, that seems like a lot. You know, <laughs> it's, it is a bit. On, on, it is a bit. On the sniff test, you know, if I'm a magistrate, I'm looking, oh, he's going two or three plants, you know. Anything over like the two or three is just like I'm scratching my head and looking at him. And like, it just doesn't pass the inhale test. I'm oh, sorry, the sniff yeah. test. Yeah, no, um, it's yeah, uh, that's that's interesting. So anything over 51 plants, but then a plant is you awful. might you might want a few nice phenos, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I mean, the reality is a commercial, anything over 51 plants, you're looking at it, a lot of magistrates will bail refuse you in New South Wales. Because then anything over 51 plants is a commercial quantity, and that and that becomes very very serious. Yeah. So, um, but the reality is, I, I, I'm assuming if you're growing for your own medicinal purposes, you have a, a, just a short under single digits. Yeah. Right. Um, and and obviously, um, when sentencing someone, a court needs to take into account the you know the how serious it is. So. I mean, obviously, growing to sell and make money is a lot different to growing to um, to treat your chronic condition because cannabis is at the moment too expensive for some people. Mm-hmm. So, well, what is like- the, the? I guess yeah, the flip side of people who grow predominantly for a customer base who are using it therapeutically as well. But I, I understand that's you know probably tenuous in the eyes of a, of a magistrate that's got an axe to grind. Can, can I also say this, getting back to some earlier points, um, you have, I believe a lot of people who consider themselves recreational users, right, are mm. really, really using it for medical condition and they just don't even know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, does that make sense? Yeah. And they've totally. been self-medicating themselves for a period of time. Mm. So what, what I tell people is go to a doctor, get a checkup, talk to them about it. You might find that you you have been taking this, what you think recreationally, but really for your anxiety that's undiagnosed or your insomnia that's gone undiagnosed. Um, and, and, and the more and more people that seek out this help and, 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 and use this as a form of medicine, um, the yeah. better and we'll be moving because you're totally right I've, I've met people actually that have been through this and they you know not only basically they're uh kind of acutely ab- abusing anything that you know helps sort of take them away from whether it's pain or mental health issue mm. you know so and so they're often you know drinking as well and so like actually finding a, a good therapeutic dose of something like a cbd oil can be life-changing for them it can sort of curb all of the other, um, you know, so-called recreational pursuits that, that, that they've actually been using for as a, an unspecified medication the whole time. Absolutely. Mm. So let's, let's say I, for some reason, had 52 plants in my apartment right now <laughs> and that apartment somehow floated to New South Wales. What uh, would I be? What would I be looking at? Genuinely, I'm well, first curious. of all, Mitch, if uh, do you have a window that could handle two plants being thrown out really quickly? Um, I'd be safe then. <laughs> uh, look, look, I, I think I think with a really good lawyer, I think we can get you bail on 52 plants. 
Um, you're probably looking. You're probably looking at a term of imprisonment in the com- served in the community. Mm. Ah, so uh, okay. How does that? Does that mean he seeks employment at a licensed cultivation facility? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> um, he's got skills to contribute. Yes. Is that you mean house arrest? Well, no, no, no. So in in New South Wales, we have uh, this this concept called intensive corrections order, which is a term of imprisonment served in the community. So if you breach any of the any of your conditions, uh, you go to jail for the for the period of that. Mm. And how so many, I imagine this is how many years a da- daily check in at the police station, and then you do supervised uh, activities. All of uh, that. You get you get a parole officer, Mitch. Yeah, nice. Okay, how long? How long? <laughs> <laughs> Probably around eighteen months to three years. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I've thought of like. If I ever went to jail, at least I'd probably get jacked because you've got nothing else to do. But if you're still in the community, then I'm not interested. <laughs> you're a good-looking guy. I don't think you'd do well in jail. Mm. Or, or maybe I'd do very well. Maybe that's the okay. <laughs> I think I could see you flourishing in certain parts of the prison, but uh, we'll <laughs> leave it there. No. Um, Pottery. Well, <laughs> no, that's um, some genuinely fascinating insights just around, uh, I guess, yeah, the impact of, cannabis-related crimes on, on people's lives, livelihoods, their families, their friends, their you know, ability to get a job, ability to leave the country and visit other countries. It, it has you know, far-reaching um, you know, consequences. So I suppose the sooner that you know, a lot of these totally useless laws that waste taxpayer dollars are uh, you know, repealed, the better, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, I... I made I've made a lot of money over the years going to court representing people for petty crimes and and mm. to be honest, uh, um, we, we should our society should be really really focused on some of the more serious stuff, right? Yeah. Um, we should st- we we need to stop prosecuting people for taking their medication. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, we stop prosecuting people for um, possession of cannabis, right? Um, and especially and, now that it's it's just as cost effective really to go through the legal channels if you have a, an ailment right it's it's really the days of being the exorbitant kind of white market i i don't think are really there anymore um at least by what i'm saying that the prices are, are starting to come down at, and in some cases exceeding or or should i say not exceeding the price of black market let's say no absolutely and 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 look as 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 the time goes on we we're looking at a number of different ways that we can we can pass the savings on to the patient so um, our pharmacies will have uh, no dispensing fee and free shipping um, mm-hmm. on all partner brands and we're hoping to to make that more accessible um, to the community so um, as I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that the people in New South Wales are able to access medicinal cannabis at an affordable rate. Yeah, no, no New South Welsh man or woman will be left behind. And uh, <laughs> we, we fully endorse this. And uh, yeah, it's um, no, it's very exciting what you've got going on with my dispensary and entourage effect. And uh, yeah, we're just very grateful to have um, you know all of all of your insights uh, on on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Hopefully, I can come back soon.
when we have our three stores opened up and and chat about how we're doing in New South Wales and where we're going from, from here. Absolutely. We'd love to do a check-in in future. And I suppose at some point in the future, Adon, we might have to visit Mitch in jail. And yeah, we can, we can check out <laughs> as well. I don't, I don't, Mitch, if Mitch is in jail, you know I didn't do my job properly. <laughs> it's, because, it's, because, it's because Andrew represented me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, thank you so much, Adon. Until uh, next time, uh, take care. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Cheers. Cheers.